Hey, Lauren, do you have a dog? I do have a dog. What is his name? Martin. Martin. <laughs> that is hilarious. So it's like a person's name. Yes. I love that. And what that size dog funny. is he? He's a little chihuahua. Oh, oh, I think you told me a cute story about that name. Tell, tell me that story again. Oh my gosh. Okay, so my abuelita smuggled him back from Chihuahua, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> and then you also mentioned that when your uncle sees the dog, what do they yes. say? So, um, yeah, my family is from Chihuahua. And so whenever they see Martin, we've got the... Paisano comment! <laughs> Paisano, because they're both, both from Chihuahua. I love that. Well, I also have a dog. Her name is Frida. Super cute. Adorable. Frida and Martin should, should hang out. And there's something really cool that I just discovered. It's called BarkBox. It's amazing. So it is great. It is great. So this is how it works. You, you sign up at BarkBox.com forward slash Tamarindo. And you tell them what your dog size is. And then you pick a plan, whether it's one month, six months, or 12 months. And you can get a box of amazing goodies for your dog shipped to your door right to your door awesome it's super cool so let me tell you some of the things that it includes so every month BarkBox Paw picks the best all natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs including allergies and heavy chewer preferences does Martin have heavy chewer preferences? Um, I think that he likes chewing on uh, carne asada scraps. Carne asada scraps. <laughs> Maybe the next Bark Box will start adding some of that. Well, something really cool. You never really want to root for testing on animals unless it's dog food. And you want to make sure that the people okay. behind Bark Box, they have their own dogs mm-hmm. test the food. So this is dog tested approved. and approved. doggy approved. So each monthly box is themed. So there could be country fair, Bark Ball, Poo York City. <laughs> New York City <laughs> or Brooklyn Hipster. That's amazing. Oh Which one would you get for Martin? Oh my goodness. I like Poo York City. I love that. Poo York City. This is That's amazing. A 10 out of 10. <laughs> Mark Box needs to start adding LA. Where's Gent- Gentrify City? <laughs> that is amazing. These are great. Well, I think folks should sign up for this. So here's a call to action for our listeners. So this is what I want you to do. You go to BarkBox.com forward slash Tamarindo and you can get a free extra month of BarkBox. Again, serio. In serio. Do you like free stuff for your dog? Love it. I love it. I think my team would be into this. So you visit BarkBox.com forward slash Tamarindo. And when you subscribe for 6 or 12 months, you get a free extra month. So you got to subscribe for 6 or 12 months. This is amazing. I think this is super cool. I know that I just subscribed and I got the first first box and Frida was wagging her little tail and wondering (laughs) what's in the box? What's in the box? She was actually really happy to find that it was a lot of treats and things that she loves to get into. All goodies for her. She's amazing. She was looking for a paintbrush in there because, you know, she's Frida. (laughs) Well, this is amazing. So some of the things that I really liked is that it was right there. I went to work and when I arrived, it was already there at my door. Super easy. Had really cool, unique toys. She's kind of sick of the same old toys that I get her all the time, but this is like fresh stuff. And they are all made in the USA or Canada. And dogs love it. She's, I know that she's super excited to get the next box. So once again, the, the way that you can tap into the Tamarindo deal for an extra free month of BarkBox is you go to BarkBox.com forward slash Tamarindo. Subscribe for six or 12 month plan and you get that free extra month. Are you going to do that for Martin? Yeah, I mean, it's free to certified. How can you say no? It's for free to certified. All right. BarkBox.com forward slash Tamarindo.
Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, a socially conscious talk show with a Latinx vibe. We are friends talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! Hi, Tamarindos. Brenda here. On this episode of Tamarindo, we have Elmer Roldan stepping in as guest host. You'll learn all about his project, The Hood Digest, an online blog that decodes all the political news into Hood, including the Vota Vato Voter Guide. Elmer and I interview the amazingly talented Irene Diaz. This Chicana serenading songstress moved us to tears. She was phenomenal. Make sure you listen and hear the live performance that we were treated to. It was great. I know, and I know many of you got to see it on our social media. If you want to see a little bit of a video of Irene, make sure you go to our Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Tamarindo Podcast listeners. It's, it's Brenda. I'm really excited that I have a friend joining me as guest co-host. I have Elmer Roldan with... Hello. Yeah, there he is. Woo. If I had my matraca, I would play it, but I can't find it. So Elmer is with, with Hood Digest. So tell the fans, what is Hood Digest? Hood Digest is a platform to help people think about the critical issues, talk about them, and take action. Awesome. And why is it Hood? It's hood because I grew up in South L.A. Uh, even though I was born in Guatemala, I, my family moved into South Central Los Angeles in the late 80s. So I grew up there during the 90s, early 2000s. And so it recognizes that uh, while I'm Latino and I have a Latino soul, that black uh, uh, culture had a deep influence in me and other Latinos who grew up in that community. That's awesome. So you came in the 80s. I mean, peak awesome hip-hop music. That's right. Coming from, from South Central L.A. That's awesome. And also, you're from Guatemala. I am. I love this. I love this. I know that we're here in Los Angeles, and we, we can tend to be too Mexico-centric. But look at us expanding here in Tamarindo. <laughs> there you go. Else. Bringing in some Central American flavor. I like exactly. it. Exactly. What's that hashtag? Um, Central American Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, hashtag Central American Twitter. Well, I think it's great that you're here, and we I love Hood Digest. We love Hood Digest. Where we oh, share. We a love Tamarindo. Yes, and we've already had a chance to collaborate once before on Latino Rebels, so it's been really fun to to connect with you. Tell me, let's tell people a little bit more about how you how you grew up in, in your immigrant experience, because we've, we've been able to share Luis and Brenda's immigrant experience, but what, what is yours? Yeah, so my experience begins with my mother escaping my father, who was an alcoholic who used to beat her and beat uh, us. I have two sisters, um, and you know, after so many beatings, my mom decided that if she didn't leave him, that you know, it might mean that she would die. Uh, so in 1986, she picked up and left us back in Guatemala with our grandparents. Came here, worked, saved, and three years later, uh, she sent for my sisters and I. So I grew up uh, near USC, a little west of USC, um, in you know, in, again in the you know the the, the peak of when uh, crack cocaine had started ravaging the community. Uh, gangs were also becoming the the thing to do. I mean, there was there was gangs on every corner. There was uh, liquor stores in every corner. There was hip hop on every corner. Um, so there was a, a you know very interesting time uh, politically. You know, we had Reagan as president still around that time, and then Clinton came in soon after. Um, and so all of that really uh, blends into um, 
create a lot of the narrative that we're seeing now documented uh, and so many uh, great, you know, great documentaries coming out about the riots, about hip hop music. Um, and, you know, and I, one of the things that I, I think is, is real important to note is that Latinos have been in South Central for decades, uh, but for a really long time, people didn't pay attention because it was considered a black community. Um, and so even organizations that traditionally focus on serving uh, the Latino community uh, tended to shy away from South L.A. And so um, so for, for people like myself, uh, we depended on organizations that provided services to African-American residents uh, to really help provide for us. And so uh, here I am, a product of all of that. So again, very proud to be Latino, uh, but very conscious about the contributions that African-Americans have made in my life. That's great. And I'm glad you're, you're sharing a little bit of, of your story. So because you started telling us that it was a, a kind of an environment that you would think would be very, well, it is very challenging mm-hmm. to, to choose a path where you're, 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 you're professional. You, you're, I am. You're, when you're not doing Hood Digest, I know that you're working on education advocacy and civic engagement. So you're doing a lot of wonderful things and um, putting on your, your, you know, your background, your hood hat to educate the community in an approachable way right. about really important issues. Absolutely. So what was it for you, you th- what do you think was for you that, that um, steered you away from a, from a path that perhaps would, have, would be different, like your outcomes considering the environment and the challenges that your family, you know, your, I imagine your mom as a, as a single parent, um, leaving everything behind. How, how, to what do you point to the success that you've had? Yeah. Uh, my mom's chancla was a big... <laughs> Uh, steering, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but no, really, it, it really was that pressure, you know. I think uh, as an immigrant uh, who saw my mom, you know, clean houses, she started working when she was 14 years old. She has, she's, you know, now uh, 40 years later, still continues to do that same line of work. Uh, very proudly, she does it. Um, so seeing the sacrifices that she was making uh, to ensure that my sisters and I had you know, as as much as possible or at least as positive of an influence as we could, I think that that provides... Um, you know, some good good pressure. I mean, you know, Latinos are very good about using guilt and using your conscience uh, as a way to influence you, even when they're not around. Um, but I, I also was very fortunate that at a young age, I discovered an organization called Community Coalition, where they focused on investing in young people. And the founder, who is now in Congress, Karen, Karen Bass, yes. uh, she is a tremendous leader. And because she participated in youth activism, when she was a teenager, um, she made sure that the organization also had that at its foundation. And, you know, and I'm a product of that. And, you know, and there are hundreds and hundreds of us who came through that organization who were, uh, you know, we were in, we had instilled in us that we had a responsibility to do something positive in the community. And more importantly, her dream was that we would go off to college, go off and see the world. And then we would bring those experiences back and build the community. And here I am. That's awesome. And Hood Digest is a part of that. Hood Digest is very much a part of that. So it's, it's my contribution to ensuring that people remain woke, 
people remain uh, vigilant of what's happening in our communities and our country. Um, and, you know, I'm very much a, a fan of politics. I'm very much a fan of culture. Uh, and so Hood Digest blends both of those things. Uh, it's, it, you know, it, it sh- I try to shy away from politically correct language, but it's very much a progressive platform where it talks about, uh, again, you know, things like crime. It talks about politics. It talks about the economy. It talks about race and class, gender, all of those things that we know are really important to our people. um, But it does it in a way that I believe is really accessible to everyday folks. I love it. And I agree with you. Well, that's awesome. So, again, thank you for joining me as guest co-host. We're really excited. Who's coming up next? We have Irene Diaz coming up. She's going to be our guest. Uh, I'm very excited about her being here. Uh, and I, I'll tell you a story oh, yeah, uh, be- before she gets here. But uh, I was at uh, the Viva La Mujer event uh-huh. that Las Fotos Projects puts on. Tremendous event. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go out there uh, next year. So I was you know, in this huge courtyard, tons of people there. I went into one of the shops because I wanted to buy stuff. And I heard her voice coming oh, from beautiful. the stage. And... I dropped the item that I was going to buy. I told the clerk, can you please hold this for me? And then I went and I I stood there and watched her perform. And I was in awe of her voice. And uh, till this day, I'm a fan. So I I looked her up online and I I found her her Spotify. I saw that uh, she had a uh, performance on um, NPR's Tiny Desk, which you should definitely check that out. And so uh, so I'm I'm super excited that I get to co-host on the day when she's going to be performing with us. Oh, my God. Can't wait. Well, she's on her way. So let's Um, let's transition to our interview with Irene. We're super excited that we have Irene Diaz music. Irene Diaz here joining us in the studio in Tamarindo. Thank you. Welcome. For, thank, you, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We're super excited to learn all about your music. So I, I know Elmer's got a few questions for you to kick us off. Yeah. So we want to learn about your experience. So can you tell us about growing up in L.A. and how that, uh, you, know, tr- you know, plays into who you are as Irene Diaz, the person, and then Mm -hmm. also Irene Diaz, the artist? Um, I mean, I've lived here all my life, and I grew up in Highland Park. I don't know if anyone anyone knows of Highland Park now, but now it's all trendy. (laughs) A beautiful community. Yeah. You you were there since you were younger, and you've seen changes. How do you, like, what do you think of the the different ways the community's changing in Highland Park? Um, for me, I, I have, I like it and I don't. I think the thing is that in the past there was a lot of gang violence. Um, I saw a lot of it. Um, but now it's just super trendy and there's just people that are, that just come in and they, they've taken over, you know, it's, it's kind of sad, but it's really cool. I like all the shops, (laughs) which, so it's kind of. What is it? There's evil and there's good. Yeah. yeah it's like, the pros and cons. It, right. I think a lot of people feel that the same way. Like, of course, nobody wants to go back to a bunch of gangs. But at the same time, you want yeah, to think about yeah. how your community has transformed. Yeah. Do you perform there often? Um, not a lot. I mean, there's a new venue called the Hi-Hat, which ah. they have really good sound. And I think that Highland Park has never really had like a good sound space. There was Mr. T's. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys yeah, remember that. Yeah, the bowling alley. I played there once, actually. Okay, wow. When it was, before it was the Highland Bowl. Um, but it was this old, you know, just this kind of rundown yeah. venue and it smelled. Yeah, but it was, <laughs> but cool. It was cool. I mean, it was what people did. It was really yeah, cool. Absolutely. I remember I played there, I think it was 2000, 2010. And there was like this metal band that went on before me. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. It, it was a metal band and they came in and they, they took forever to set up and they came in, played, and then they just jetted. That was it. I was like, okay. And I brought a lot of friends out um, to that venue and it was really cool. But um, yeah, that was, that was Highland Park. Highland Park, I, I remember El Chapin. I played there, that which is now the Highland Cafe. Mm-hmm. Woohoo, Chapinas! Oh, oh, is that is that from from Guatemala? Guatemala? Yeah. Oh, that, is that the bird? No. Quetzal. <laughs> okay, I'm obviously Guatemalan. I'm Guatemalan illiterate. Guatemalan excuse me. History and experience for Brenda. <laughs> yes, let's <please> do that. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things have changed, um, um, but I don't know. I, I think it's. Like, I wish my parents would have bought a home there. Mm-hmm. But my parents divorced in, like, 2003, so maybe, you know, things wouldn't have worked out. But right now, it's just crazy just how it's so trendy and how trend makes things so overpriced. Right. And it was always great, but there was a lot of gang violence, mm-hmm. I, I would have to say. Like, I remember my brothers walking home from school and down on 57 and guys hitting them up and just saying where are you from you know and they pull out a knife and it's it's crazy it's crazy to see just just the black and white of it but yeah i don't know if you remember but the the avenues which is the gang that Mm -hmm. controls that area they had an injunction brought down on Um. them right around that time uh, and that was precipitated by some murders that were racially motivated, oh, where they were targeting African-American residents. Yeah, there was the Bloods and the Crips that they actually lived in Herman. I, I forgot which group did, mm-hmm. but that was my block. Wow. Yeah. I lived in Montecito Heights around that time. Okay. So following that. Oh, yeah. So then you're right there, Debs yeah. Park. and that, That's right. Yeah. 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 So, so when the, we've talked a lot about these, this, these, this community and, and where you grew <laughs> up and all these cra- these venues that you got to play. And um, so when did you start music? Like, how did you, how did you get into um, beautiful always, sound that you have? I've always played. Um, my dad's a guitarist, so that kind of influenced, I don't know if it's in the blood or what. But um, I took piano lessons when I was a kid. I used to go to church. and um, Not that, like, I think church had a big influence on, like, me emotionally. and uh, But musically, my dad had a big influence. And just playing the piano, I think the piano had a big influence on me. Because um, I would just figure out, like, how to create my own pieces. Um, I actually started writing songs on guitar before I started writing on piano and I started playing guitar when I was 15 so around that time I just started writing and I started writing on piano when I was 19 um, just lyrically so I want to ask you about one of your songs the song this cannot be Mm -hmm. Uh, the content in the song is really powerful but the video is also 
uh, very powerful as well. So can you tell, tell us a little bit more about the inspiration behind that song mm-hmm. and the message that you're conveying through that video? Um, when I wrote that song, I wrote it around a time uh, where I found out one of my friends was getting married. And it was this best friend that I had since my youth. And our friendship just didn't work out. Um, I had to pull myself away from him because he had feelings for me. And I felt like it was really hindering him. Mm. So I was, I was just like, I, you know, I, I, I just kind of ghosted out of his life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was getting married? Um, not around that time. Oh, okay. But this maybe three years later, I found out that he was getting married and I wasn't getting invited, obviously. And obviously, <laughs> I wouldn't get invited Um, so, uh, yeah, I found out about that and I started writing this song and it turned into something else with the video. Sometimes things don't like match. Like I would, I didn't want to tell the same story, but this story in the, in the video is about like, kind of like my current, um, situation that I had with coming out to my dad because I, I am... You know, I'm dating a woman, and my dad confronted me about it. I didn't even plan on telling him about it. Um, So he confronted me about it, and I think the video is a combination of my story, Carolyn, who is my partner, and she plays ukulele with me, her story, um, and probably a lot of, you know, other people's stories. So we just wanted to show that. Um, we wanted to make it into a story rather than just like a music video. Yeah, and it was and it's beautiful. It's, mm-hmm. it's beautifully produced, and and you do see LA, and and I do and I think it it you see visually a lot of stories look, reflecting back. Right, there's mm-hmm. people that are seeing themselves in that story. There's these two Latina young ladies. Mm-hmm. You see the angry father, and I think the imagery that that conveys, you know, of a very stern, macho cultural energy um so i do find that video to be very powerful and we recommend everybody take a look at it so i i, I commend the work and the, and the uh, passion that went Thank behind you. that work because it, it truly shows and it's and it's compelling because it's you don't see that on first of all you don't really see too many um same sex depictions in anything much less mm-hmm. la brown girls so it's it's beautiful yeah. thank you yeah Powerful way to convey two different messages, right? Yeah. Uh, who would have thought? I mean, it was a lot of yeah. fun as well, making you know the whole story. Um, just seeing it put together, I've never been behind something like that, and it was a lot of learning. And I don't know. I feel like it really flowed out nice. Like you know how sometimes when you try to create something, it's like this is not working. Like all of it just worked out. We found the the two actresses that we wanted. Like, okay, these two girls look good together. And then we found the father, and I don't know, it just really, it just, I think it wanted to be told. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And we want to hear it. We wanted Absolutely. to hear it. We wanted yeah. to experience yeah. it. So it's awesome. beautiful. What are, what are some other things that influence your music and your songwriting? Um, just everything. I feel, for me, I'm not one to just sit down, okay, I'm going to write a song. I feel that it's, for me, it's like, I'm just trying to, um, whatever comes out of me, and then I try to figure it out from there. I try to piece it together. Um, So the beginning is always spontaneous. 
Um, and the in-between and the end is something that sometimes I work out. Sometimes it takes me like a month to come back to it and figure it all out. But um, the whole album right now, it's been a process. So it's a combination of all these songs that I've you know, been trying to get out and work out. And they're being worked out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a song is never done, pretty much. And when when is you're working on an album? When can we anticipate to? to That'll be next year. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah, it's still it's still being worked on. It's taking time. I'm impatient, but <laughs> as you should be. As yeah. I should be. I, I've been waiting for this, but um, it's getting done, and I, I feel really, really. I don't want to say blessed, but I feel blessed that that I'm able to actually do this. Yeah, it's great, and we we're excited that you're Absolutely. you're local, that you're you're beautiful, your sound is so great and unique, and you're telling great stories. So we are excited to support your work. This this will air a little bit later in the maybe in the early fall. Are there any upcoming shows that folks should know about? Oh yeah, um, so I'm playing the LA Fair. Oh cool! Oh nice! Awesome! Uh, September 9th at nine p.m. Perfect in Pomona. And then I'll be going to uh, Tennessee, uh, wow. Chattanooga. Oh, my God. That's so perfect. I, I want to just interrupt a little bit because I, I feel like there, there's a lot of that. The, the, the sound that comes that I hear sounds like something that would be coming from that, that part of the country. Oh, like, wow. I've never been there. I, I mean, neither have I, but I know that there's music. That <laughs> yeah, like, like, like Nashville. That. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like just kind of like folksy and soulful. Mm-hmm. So, um I think that's awesome that you're going to be there. That's great. Yeah, so that's uh, October 19th. Um, okay, very cool. Yeah. It's like kind of like a Levitt Pavilion series, but it's called ah. Levitt Amp Music Series. That's awesome. That's really cool. Can you talk about your sound? So what what influences do you have? Like, what artists do you listen to? Mm-hmm. So what influences me is just everything. Um there's no specific artist that I'm trying to sound like, but I'm trying to... I mean, as an artist, you, you hear other people and you're like, oh, they sound so amazing. I want to sound like them, but at the same time, you want to be original and you want to do your own thing. And I think that's what I try to do. Um, but artists that I am listening to right now, I really like this artist called No Name. Um, she's a hip-hop artist. I'm actually going to go see her in San Diego in November. Um, just her show. I would love to meet her. That's exciting. <laughs> um, but she's a really great artist. If you check her out on NPR Tiny Desk, she's just this cool, just, she's really great. Um, I really like Bad, Bad, Not Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really cool jazz. Yeah. I think it's four a four-piece, but they bring in other artists and there's this song that I really, really like. It's called Time Moves Slow, featuring um, Sam, Sam Herring from Future Islands. Mm-hmm. And I just listen to that song nonstop. So sometimes when I listen to music, I, I get hooked. And I'll just keep repeating over and over again. And eventually, I haven't gotten tired of listening to them, which is really great. Uh, because, you know, over time, you're like, oh, I'm just burnt out of this. So you know a great artist when you don't get tired yeah, of them. Yeah, you can re-listen and re-listen. So speaking again. of tiny desks, can you talk about that experience? Mm-hmm. I mean, that even though it's called a tiny desk, and I feel like that's a huge platform yeah. to perform. And there's been so many great artists featured on that series, Bad, Bad, Not Good being one of yeah. them. And so I'd love to hear 
just how you how you ended up on that uh, on that show, and then what yeah. you know what did you what did you learn from being there? Yeah, so um, I was in I think it was in D.C. or I was playing a show in Philadelphia, and I had a publicist at the time um, that I hired just to help me out with shows. And um, there's this team. It's, it's Rasan and Maggie. I forgot the name of their 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 uh, collective. But I, I met them in 2013, and they've been really big fans. And they were the ones that brought me out first to to the East Coast. Um, so they've been really longtime friends, and he's been trying to get me on NPR Tiny Desk because Felix is the host of uh, uh, the. Uh, Latino. Felix oh, Con- uh-huh. Contreras, yeah. Felix Contreras, yeah. Him and Jasmine Gard have been really big fans of me of mine. And um but Rasan was like, Oh, I want to really, really try to get you on this show and it was probably a combination of, of them, my publicist and them being Felix, you know Knowing who you yeah, are. Yeah, knowing who, who I am. Music, yeah. And so it's it's really funny because I had never like around that time I think this was in two thousand fourteen. And I had never done so many things within a short amount of time because I was traveling a lot and trying to get as many like interviews in, and I was tired. Uh. Just a busy I go, was go, like, go blown. I was like, oh my god, how does anybody do this? <laughs> um, actually, before I went on, I uh, I had a interview before that. Oh my gosh, on the radio, and, like a radio interview? Yeah, and it was <laughs> it was early. It was around. I want to say nine or ten or, well, this is early. <laughs> no, but but um, I remember. Well, in uh, East Coast time, that is yeah, six a.m. Yeah, time, so it was so. super early. Super early. And the the interview I had, I did it for perf- performance, and the guy that was interviewing me, he was just this. Re- I just I want to say ridiculous because before we went on, he was like, you know that millions of people are going to watch this, and <laughs> thanks for telling me that. Oh. Like I'm already or nervous as it is, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. like come on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I I did that right before the NPR thing, and you know I had that, and it was fine, whatever. And so I go into the NPR offices, and it's just like this breath of fresh air. And I have to say, before that that other interview, they had to screen check us. Like they we had they had to check our our bags and all of that. And I was like, oh, this is weird. But the NPR one, it was just like this breath of fresh air. We go in, and everybody's greeting you. They're so excited to hear you play. I can't ima- I, I I can't explain how amazing it was. But it was just they had. Like it's an office. Yeah, it's an office. Like there's cubicles in the, the, the DC one, right? I, I've gone. Well, there's desk. Oh, I don't want to say cubicles, uh-huh. but yeah, in the DC. Yeah, yeah. Office that it's just there's just this great amount of light that's coming in, and everybody is so excited to hear you. That is really great. And so excited. Do people stop working and then they yes. all just kind of you know, yeah. surround you or yeah. in a tiny little corner mm-hmm. or wherever that, that desk is located? They all stop working and they gather around and you're not amped. So, so it's just it's just unplugged. Acapella. <laughs> because wow. they're getting all of the, you know, sound from the mic yeah. when they when you see it on online. It's am- it's amazing because the video quality and mm-hmm. the sound quality is so great. 
Yeah, yeah we love NPR. Tell. They do it well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're so about music. Yeah, well, you rocked that show. I, mean, I, I thought it was flawless. So you couldn't tell that you were in an obnoxious interview right before? Or you yeah, but like, I, I felt really like at ease for Good. some reason. Yeah. I was like, wow, I really like it here. It's well, <laughs> great. We, we hope that you feel at ease here yeah, at Tamarindo the, right the, now. The, and the ta- tiny Tamarindo form. concert. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're really excited. So all of our listeners, you're in for a treat because we're actually going to get to have you perform a couple songs. Mm-hmm. Be- before we do that, though, so that we can compete with NPR's welcome, <laughs> welcomeness, <laughs> welcome, uh, we, we just have to ask the questions that we ask all of our guests when we have folks come uh-huh. on Tamarindo. So the first question is, what is your favorite snack? Mm. I really like sandwiches. Sandwiches. Jeff, producer Jeff would agree. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, it's everything. All yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I really, yeah, I love pickles. Yeah. Um, I like sauerkraut. Oh, well. I like uh, just putting it, a lot of things in there, like just making a... A, a nice fluffy crunchy sandwich. Um, a bite. I like crunchy sandwiches too. What's your yeah. favorite type of bread for a sandwich? Um, oh goodness, I haven't. I love all types of bread actually. <laughs> um, I just like wheat bread. Um, there's this place that I really enjoy. It's called Fiore's, mm-hmm. Ooh. and it's in South Pasadena. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's they they make their bread there, and sometimes I like to buy the bread and because it's a loaf, and so you have to cut it, and it's just really this really great soft Sandwiches. bread. Sandwiches, yes, we love them. Do you do you want to ask the second question? Could be uh, question yeah, uh, the other question is if you uh, had a telenovela made after you, what would it be called, <laughs> and what would it be about? What would it be called? I don't know about what it would be called, but. I would just use my name, but like with an accent, like Irene Diaz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Irene Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last question we always ask is if you had a chancla, just like most of us grew up with, to like hit someone or a thing or a oh. concept, like who gets your chancla or what gets your chancla? Uh, tell me everybody has had the same answer. A lot of people have had the same answer, and tell I'm me. sure even more so now. <laughs> like honestly, like I can't even look at him. It's horrible. We don't even have to say his name. We all know yeah. who gets that one. Like, like whenever, like, what happened. Oh, oh I, I can't even talk about it. But just whenever they, they put, you know, when I'm looking at it on my phone and then they're doing, you know, interviews or whatever, and then all of a sudden he pops up, I just have to cover his face. Like, I can't even look at that ugliness. Just There's just ugliness in there. All the way, inside and out. All yeah, over. so Oozing. I would definitely throw that chancla at him and just like, everyone should throw a chancla at him. Most definitely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, we get don't out want of here. here. A chancla on your way out. Okay. <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, that's great. Again, it's been so wonderful to spend time with you and now we're so in for, we're so excited. Yeah, we're in for a excited. treat. Mm-hmm. Let's hear some of your, your songs. Actually, do you want to tell us what you're going to be playing for us? Um, I'll be playing I Love You Madly and a new song called Me and My Babe. Awesome. Can't wait to hear it. All right. Let's, let's take it away it with on. the Tamarindo concert.
Breakfast done. 
beautiful, so beautiful, yes they are, filled with honeydew flowers and guitar, and I wrote a song for you to sing how special you tears all the time. <laughs> Tamarindo Podcast is produced by Jeff Dubow and hosted by Brenda Gonzalez. Our community manager and content contributor is the fabulous Lauren Gaitan. You can find us at tamarindopodcast.com. Please rate and review so that other people can find us. Don't forget to do that on Apple Podcasts and share this episode. And until next time, ponte un suéter. Bye, chulas. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099